Today we conclude the first large section of Exodus. So we have uh, this storyline that we've been following, and, and so we close out the bracket of this large section of Scripture that we've been exploring over the last few months. Uh, the section is bracketed with meetings with Moses' father-in-law. His name's Jethro. We met him back in Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to meet him again here in Exodus chapter 18. We can recall Moses' first meeting with him in the land of Midian. Uh, Jethro is a Midianite. Uh, where Moses saved Jethro's daughters. Uh, They were being threatened as they took the flocks to be watered. They were being threatened by some other shepherds. And Moses saved them. And because he saved them, Jethro gave one of his daughters in marriage to Moses, Zipporah. And subsequently within that story, if you'll recall, and, and one of the famous stories from Exodus, Moses met God in a bush that burned but was not consumed. And then from there he leaves and he goes back to Jethro and asks Jethro, can I go back to my people in Egypt? Because he had sojourned in, in the land of Midian for 40 years with Jethro. And so a visit from Jethro in chapter 18 is a fitting conclusion to this section. I want to summarize for you 18 real quick. And like I said, we'll go through and read each section under 18. We're going to read it in its entirety this morning under each uh, one of our sermon points. But to quickly summarize what's going on in 18 is uh, we're brought back into contact with Jethro, Moses' uh, father-in-law. Jethro is caring for Moses' wife, Zipporah, and Moses' two sons, and he comes back to Moses because he's, he's heard what God has done for God's people. And then Moses shares with Jethro what God has done for his people. And then subsequently, Jethro looks in on the situation of Israel and gives Moses some, some great advice for ordering God's people. So that's kind of the gist of chapter 18. Like I said, we'll unpack that section by section. A visit from Jethro is a fitting conclusion to this massive section of Scripture that we've been unpacking over the last few months. Also, if you'll recall, and you've been journeying with us through Exodus, in the immediate context, uh, we witness a different interaction with uh, from Israel's conflict from Amalek last week. You remember Israel's conflict that they had with the foreign nation Amalek, where they battled and defeated Amalek, a foreign nation that acted out against God's people. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, Midian is another foreign nation, comes to visit with the intention to hear all that God has done for Moses' people, the Israelites. Now we can't neglect the fact that the the Midianites will later be named as enemies of, of Israel. We see that in scripture. But here Jethro represents a Midianite, a foreigner who is attracted now, who's heard of what the Lord has done. And he's, he's attracted to come and hear from God's people about God, about what the Lord has accomplished. And it brings us to our main idea for the morning. Jethro heard of God's power and was drawn to him. He's told of him, and he's transformed by him. Jethro heard of God's power, was drawn to him, told of him, and transformed by him. Jethro is an example, I believe, of the nations being drawn towards Israel. Israel was to be a light to the nations. 
Although God's redemptive plan is primarily aimed at this point and executed at Israel in the Old Testament, it is not exclusive to Israel. Other people are saved by God in this time. For example, we learned in a prior uh, episode within Exodus that there were sojourners among the Israelites. God gave them instructions on how to interact and deal with them that fled Egypt alongside of them, and they were saved alongside the Israelites. And here, we, again, we see another, a member of another nation, a foreign nation, being drawn to the one true God. I believe if we, if we draw out of this passage a little bit and we, we take a little bit higher level view, this looks forward to a time when salvation will be extended in a more inclusive manner to the nations that we find in the New Testament under the ministry of Jesus. And especially later in the missionary action of the apostle to the Gentiles. Who was the apostle to the Gentiles? Paul. Bringing the word of God to the nations. And then if we pull ourselves even further out, it also foreshadows the day when, when every tongue will confess and every knee will bow before who? Jesus Christ. Exodus 18 grants us a glimpse of what Isaiah is talking about in Isaiah 60, 1-3. The prophet says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. I want you to hear this. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. The nations drawn to God through the light of his people. As we look to the area that we will focus on from our text this morning, we learn of this. We learn the missionary activity of God. Our God is a missional God, drawing people to himself. And he does it primarily through the light of his people. And in particular, the example of God's people as witnesses to his saving power. Moses and the Israelites are examples of the saving power of Yahweh, the one true God. And so we'll see Moses share about what God has done for him. He's sharing about his faith. And we can draw truth from this for ourselves. We are Christian, those who have been transformed by Jesus Christ, who are, who are in faith, in Christ, we are called to share our faith with others. And we're going to draw on those truths this morning. Number one, come and see. It's our first point. Come and see. Verses 1 to 6, now in chapter 18. You can look to the screens or you can follow along in the Bible. It says, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons, the name of one was Gershom, for he, he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. So Moses connected the names of his 
children to where he was at within life. And the, and the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Now, in this passage, Jethro is identified as the priest of Midian. And so I, I think it's safe to conclude that he is, at that point, not a follower of Yahweh because he's identified as the priest of Midian. He is, in all likelihood, just like most people in this time frame, a polytheist. What's a polytheist? He's a believer in many gods, which is affirmed later on when he declares that the Lord God is above all other gods. He is also Moses' father-in-law. I want to encourage you this week, go back and read Exodus 2, probably through most of 4, and you'll, uh, it'll refresh your memory on Jethro and Moses' relationship. You see that the redemption of Israel not only benefits Moses and his people, but also those who are watching from a distance. People that are looking in on God's people. They're being drawn in through what God is doing among his people. Israel is a light to the nations. Christian, we have taken up that task as the engrafted branches to be a light to the nations, a gospel light to the nations. The action of God draws Jethro back to Moses. We're not given detail on how and, and when Moses' wife and children were sent to be with Jethro. You may be uh, concerned with that. We don't know. We don't know why, how she ended up there, why she ended up there, why his kids are there, when that happened. Any conclusions that we draw towards that regard is just pure speculation. So we're not going to go there this morning. What we are certain of, though, is this. We are certain that God has made himself known to Jethro through his actions on behalf of Israel. Jethro has heard about what God has done, and he's drawn to hear what's going on. Jethro has come, has to come and see what God has accomplished on behalf of of Israel brings us to now our second point, hear and respond. Hear and respond. One of the aims that I have for you this morning, church, is that I desire for you to see the transformative power of our own witnesses to God, how God has worked in our life. When we say we, we witness about God, what we're saying is this is what Jesus has done for me through his redemptive work. This is my witness. This is my testimony. I desire for you to see the transformative power of, of our witness to God's power for the benefit of others. Okay, so we're not only saying, I want you to hear what God has done for me, but we're talking about the power of God to change me. The power of God to transform me from the inside out. And I'm eager to share that with those who are in unbelief. Those who are lost. Verses 7 to 12. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. 
And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro says this, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered his people from under the hand of the Egyptians. I'm sorry, I've lost my train of thought there. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. This section gives us detail into Jethro and Moses' relationship. We can see they care for each other, right? How do we we have evidence that they care for each other? It's because, one, Moses goes out in respect to Jethro. He bows before him and kisses him, right? We understand that the, the care that these guys have for each other because I don't think it's too much to read into the text that an understanding that they had spent how long together? How long did they spend in Midian together? 40 years. See, sometimes we don't have a grasp of time when we're reading from passage to passage because it's just one chapter to the next. But for 40 years, these two men had spent together. And then it says that they asked of each other's welfare. I love that term there. How are you doing? I want to hear, how's life going? Practically, we learn from Moses the power of relationship within our mission to share the gospel with the lost. I don't want to discount street preaching and and folks who go out and preach on the street. People are saved through that means. I don't discount that one bit. But I do believe a powerful witness is when you have a relationship with somebody and you care about them and you have that relational equity to then speak into their life and share the gospel with them. He asked Jethro of his welfare and then immediately, what does he do? He starts talking about the saving power of God. This is what God has done for us. In a prior sermon, we concluded that the Exodus account is, is the gospel in the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament gospel. It's, it's the story of Israel's salvation, of their redemption. Moses here is sharing the good news of what God has accomplished on behalf of Israel. And he begins with, with the care of the other person. I mean, we're getting really practical here. When we're sharing our faith with somebody else, have a relationship with them. Know them enough where you can say, how are you doing? How's life going? Let's have a conversation. He begins with care for the other person. I believe one of those powerful ways that God works to draw those in unbelief to himself is through the relationships that we Christians have with others. How powerful, this is a question we have to ask, how powerful is the testimony of what God has done in your life to those in closest proximity to you? 
Another question that we ask, are you placing yourself intentionally in positions to be in relationship with those who are in unbelief, or have you completely withdrawn yourself? There's a tension that we live in, that we, we want to gather with the saints. We want to gather with fellow Christians and fellowship together, and, and we're called to do that. We're obeying Scripture when we do that. And also, we are to be a light to the nations, and an effective way that we are a light to those who are in unbelief is that we are in relationship with them and connecting with them, and that we care about their welfare. Many of you are here this morning because you had a friend or a family member who cared about your welfare, even though you were in unbelief, and they cared enough to share the gospel with you. They cared enough to share about the saving power of God. And so we have to be challenged to to not just get stuck in the seats in church, but to be a light to the nations beginning in our homes and and our neighborhoods and communities, in our state and in our nation and around the world. Are you in relationship with family and friends who are in, in unbelief, who are lost? Are you in relationship with those in, in your neighborhoods and communities? Are you intentionally placing yourself in those positions where you can care for someone's welfare and point them to Jesus? You see, because Moses doesn't just stop at asking Jethro how he's doing. He's also eager to tell Jethro of all that God has done for Moses and the Israelites. He speaks to Jethro about the way that God has delivered them. Paul says it this way in Romans 10:17. He says, "So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ." Jethro in this passage, hears the word about God from Moses, how God has saved his people from the grip of the Egyptians. And then Jethro does this. He responds. The text says that he rejoiced, one, for all that the Lord had done. Two, he acknowledged the greatness of Yahweh. Three, he brought a burnt offering he offered to God. Four, he shared a meal with other followers, with Moses, Aaron, and the elders together. Connecting this section with the last part of chapter 18, we understood that that Jethro has been transformed now by the word about God. And then we're going to see now that Jethro will contribute through his gifting to God's people. Kind of the the most famous part of chapter 18 is the way that that Jethro will advise Moses on the ordering of God's people. But how did he end up here? He ends up being able to speak into the lives of God's people because Moses was eager to share of God's saving power. It began with that. Actually, it began with God drawing him in. And then God using his servant Moses to say, hey, look, this is what God has done for us. He's amazing. And so it brings us to our third point, transformed and contributing. Transformed and contributing. I want to pause. I want to back up to two. The, The Spirit... 
is speaking to me, and I want to share this with you guys. I, I want you to notice in Moses' interaction with Jethro, it, it's not documented here that Moses goes to him, and the first thing he says to him is, is you're wrong because you're the priest of Midian. You believe in a bunch of gods. No, he goes to Jethro and he says, how are you doing? How is life going? And then he shares about God. He focuses, see, sometimes we can focus on individual sins. And we attack those things first. And we say, you know what your problem is? You're sexually immoral or you're greedy or you're a gossip. When in fact, we should be saying, you know what the problem is? You need to hear about Jesus and what he's done for me. Church, we have to focus on unbelief. We can focus on all these sins under here, but they are just symptoms of one great sin, which is unbelief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so we have to check our hearts when, when we notice, I notice this thing about that person and this thing and this thing and this thing, and I want to point out all these little things. Stop. Meet the need where they are at. And the greatest need is this. They need to hear about the saving power of Jesus Christ. The greatest need is that the lost are in unbelief. They don't believe in Jesus. And God is using us Christians as instruments to share that saving message with those who are in unbelief. And then we let the power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the instruction of God's people around them, then we speak into, hey, these are some adjustments that you need. Let's go to God's Word and let's adjust that. Do you guys see the ordering there? Okay, point number three. Transformed and contributing. So we see that Jethro is transformed and contributing, verse 13 to 27. A little bit longer section, so track with me here. It says, The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. I want to pause there for just a second, okay? Mark that section in your head, 19 and 20. We're going to circle back around to that as, as a gospel connection, a connection to Christ this morning, okay? So just kind of set that off to the side. So back into 19. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, and they hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide for themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, 
you will be able to endure and all this people will also and all this people will also will go to their place in peace so moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all he had said Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. You see, God's fame, God's work, God's power has drawn Jethro back to Moses. Moses is faithful to share of all that God has accomplished for Israel with Jethro. He witnesses to God's saving action. So then Jethro praises Yahweh, acknowledges Yahweh, and brings a sacrifice to God. And now knowing the one true God, looks in on the physical situation among God's people and begins to speak to that. Okay, notice something here. Moses has met a key spiritual need for Jethro. He needed to know about the saving power of God. And now Jethro will use his gifting to meet a key physical need for Israel. Jethro contributes his gifting to the people of God. And look at the immediacy of it, okay? He hears about God, and then the next day, he serves God's people. Immediately, he's looking into the situation, in the passage, Moses is scrambling to do all the work on behalf of his people, to which we are certain are numerous at this point. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people coming. To, can you imagine you're standing and you have a million people coming to you with your problems? Who can bear the weight, right? That's why Jethro says, I, I, think, there's, I think there's some comedy here. Like, what you're doing's not good. You're going to burn yourself out, and the people are going to be upset with you. This is not going to end well, Moses. So Jethro has witnessed the power of God through Moses, and now will contribute his gifting to the people of God. I want you to notice something. Again, the immediacy of this. Okay? Moses doesn't pause and say, okay, now I've, I've been saved, but... I have this opinion and I have this gifting that I can speak into the situation. But Moses, I really need to stop and, and make sure that I take a, a spiritual gifts assessment and this matches my gifting okay so then that I can serve the church. And Do you guys get where I'm tracking with this? Kate? He doesn't wait. He knows that God has gifted him in this way and he brings that gift to God's people serving and loving them by instructing them on proper ordering, proper uh, societal ordering. He doesn't wait around. She says, what you are doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. It's not sustainable for Moses to lead in this manner. Everything can't rest on his shoulders. But the work must be for the benefit of the people and his own emotional health spread out. And it says among able men, okay, delegated. We get this idea of delegation from this passage. We learn that the contribution of, of spiritual gifting is not only found here in Jethro, but also we see spiritual gifting in the men. What are some qualifications that they have? They are men who fear God. Okay, what does that mean? They trust God. They have placed their faith in God. They are, they are God-fearing men. Okay, they are trustworthy. Okay, it means they have integrity. They are men of the truth. 
And lastly, it says that they hate a bribe. Okay, if only we had leaders like this in our society, right? If feared God, had integrity, and hated a bribe. That's a sermon for another day. In other words, they're men that won't be swayed by the haves more than the have-nots. Trustworthy men of justice who fear the one true God. Incredibly practical advice from Jethro, wouldn't we agree? Paul says this, it pictures our gifting in the church. Okay, we believe that when we're saved, we're filled with God's Holy Spirit and and God imparts upon us spiritual gifts to serve the body of Christ, to serve the church, everybody. Paul speaks to this in Romans 12, 3 to the beginning part of 6. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Then he says this, having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us. And then he says this, let us use them. Okay, don't just hold on to your gifts. Jethro doesn't keep his advice to himself and then walk away and gossip back with the Midianites and say, man, if Moses would only just delegate, they'd, it'd be a lot better. No, he shares his criticism of what Moses is doing and he shares a suggestion, a solution. Here's the issue, Moses, and here's the solution. See, sometimes we come and we just say, here's the issue. Hope it works out for you. Right? He does both. And we see the timing of God in perfection in this passage. God's timing is always perfect. You see, soon after, now the law will be given to the people of God. God uses Jethro's gifting and the spiritual gifting of men under the leadership of Moses to now order God's people, to order them in order to be able to hand out the law, to enforce the law, to hold people accountable to the law, to judge as they prepare to receive and execute the law of God. And so the text hinges from the first section now to the next. The, the next section of Exodus that we're going to be looking at is God's law. Then we're going to look at the tabernacle, and we're going to be learning those over the next month or so. And so the text hinges from the first section now to the next. The story of Jethro is closed out as one. We can highlight these things as one who was not in faith, but he's drawn to God. He hears the word about God and rejoices in God. He then contributes his gifting to God's people. And now God's people are prepared to receive the law of God. And that closes out that first section of Exodus. But we've been asking this question of each text within Exodus. We've been asking, what about Jesus? Where do we see Jesus in this passage? I don't want you to miss Jesus here this morning because we believe that the Old Testament points ultimately to Christ. 
when Jesus was resurrected, he's on the road to Emmaus with his disciples. It says he, he taught them all things concerning himself from where? From scripture. What was the scripture? The Old Testament. It's all about him. And so we have to draw Christ out of this passage as well. And so our gospel connection for the morning is this. Again, remember I told you to hold on to verses 19 and 20. We can draw from this passage that Jesus is our representative advocating our case before God the Father and teaching us the way. That's what Jesus does. He represents us, he advocates for us, and he teaches us. He instructs us. We see Jesus in type and shadow in verses 19 and 20. It says this, now obey my voice, I will give you advice. So this is Jethro speaking. He says, and God be with you. And hear this, you shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Jesus fulfilled this perfectly. Because I'm very thankful that as much as I love the character of Moses as looked through Scripture, that he doesn't represent me. Jesus Christ represents me through faith in his finished work. Christian, and if you have faith, if you've been filled by God's Holy Spirit, he represents you. He's your representative before God the Father, advocating your case before God and teaching you the way. I'm also thankful that in the local church that you're not represented by me. I'm not your representative because I stink. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. I'm thankful that I don't have that kind of pressure. I'm thankful that I don't represent and you don't represent yourself before God because we would bring our work before him and it would be as filthy rags to him. But we are represented by Jesus Christ, which means that God sees the work of his son. And we know that in the gospel that his work is perfect, that he is the spotless lamb of God, that Jesus came in the flesh 2,000 years ago and lived perfectly on our behalf. He fully obeyed the law of God. He fully obeyed the will of God to the point of death. He went to the cross and he shed his blood for you and he raised from the grave on the third day in victory over sin and death. And Jesus has ascended to heaven. He sits at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning all of creation. And church, he's coming back as judge. That's what the scripture teaches us. And you will either be judged according to his righteousness or according to your works. And so I want to call upon you today to repent if you have not done so and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he will, through faith in his work, represent you, advocate for you, teach you his ways, his statutes, and his laws through the word about Christ. Hebrews gives us a beautiful picture of this representation. The author of Hebrews says this, For do we, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one, Jesus, this is Jesus, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, here's the good news, yet 
without sin. And so this is the result of the work of Christ. The author of Hebrews tells you this, Christian, for those of you who are in unbelief, you can have this through faith in the finished work of Jesus. He says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That's what Jesus, our representative, does for us. That's good news.